0: Think about what happens when we come to Mass on Sunday. First, we have the liturgy of the Word. We hear the Word of God proclaimed to us in the Scriptures, like we've just done. And then we have a homily, where that Word is further broken open and explained to us, as I hope to explain it to you now, if I'm doing my job. And then after that, we move into the liturgy of the Eucharist, where if we're properly disposed, we can receive that word of God made flesh here with us in the sacrament. And then having been so nourished, before we leave this place, we are blessed. We are blessed and then we are sent. We are told to go out into the world and proclaim the gospel by our words and by our works. We are sent out to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's because Christianity is an evangelical religion. It has been from the very beginning. The only reason that you and I are here today is because someone proclaimed the gospel to us. Someone has shared with us that good news. And it's been that way since the time of the apostles. In our own age, the Second Vatican Council even reminds us that evangelization is the special call of the laity, of the laity. You know, the clergy, we kind of live here in the church. It feels like we live here in the church some days, right? But the lay people are out in the world, and so you're called to be 11 in the world, to bring Christ with you in your workplace, in your homes, in your schools, in your neighborhoods, wherever people gather, to go out and spread the good news of Christ. So that's the preface to my homily. With all of that in mind, What we read in the gospel today seems a little odd. There are curious aspects of our gospel. We read about Jesus healing a deaf man with a speech impediment. That's not the odd part. Jesus heals lots of people. But he heals this deaf man with a speech impediment. He opens his ears to to hear the word of God, presumably, and he opens his mouth, again, presumably to proclaim God's praise, to proclaim the good news. But before he does this, he takes the man away, off by himself, away from the crowd, we're told. He doesn't want an audience. And then after he heals this man, he tells him, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. And that's the curious part. If we're supposed to share the good news of Jesus Christ, why does Jesus tell this man, don't tell anybody? And this is not the only time in the gospel that he does this. He does this when he heals the leper. He does this when he casts out demons. That's what he tells Peter, after Peter proclaims him to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And don't tell anybody. He says, don't tell anyone." At the transfiguration, he says, Don't tell anybody. If we have this evangelical mission from God, as indeed we do, why the secrecy? Why the secrecy? This is a, a curious thing, and scripture scholars have even given it a name. They call it the messianic secret. The messianic secret. And there's lots of theories as to why Jesus commands others not to tell people about him. One that might occur to us is, well, maybe Jesus is using some kind of reverse psychology here. Maybe he really wants people to to tell others about him, but because he knows human nature, he knows it perfectly, he knows that the best way to make sure news gets spread is to tell people it's a secret. As soon as you tell someone, "Don't, don't tell anyone but... You can be sure that everybody knows about it the next day, right? So maybe that's what Jesus is doing. And indeed, we're told in the Gospel, he says he ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. So maybe that was Jesus' plan all along. But but I don't think so. I don't think so. And the reason is because Jesus presents himself in the Gospels as pretty straightforward. He says what he means. He speaks plainly. He doesn't use deception. He doesn't use trickery. There's no guile in him. He says what he means. And even when he's speaking in parables or using metaphors, it's always to clarify the truth of what he's saying, never to obscure. So I don't think that our Lord is using reverse psychology here. Instead, I think what Jesus is doing with this messianic secret is he's biding his time. He doesn't want the word to spread about him too quickly until it's time. He knows as soon as he is publicly identified as the Messiah, certain actions will begin to take place. When the crowds say today he makes the deaf hear and the mute speak, those are signs of the Messiah as prophesied by Isaiah. When Jesus proclaims himself later on to be the bread come down from heaven, when he tells the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am, taking that divine name to himself, he knows that's what's going to get him arrested because that will bring charges of blasphemy because he's making himself equal to God. And that can't happen until the right time in God's time. And that time is when Jesus comes to Jerusalem, when God enters his temple to celebrate the feast of Passover, when Jesus would celebrate that Passover meal with his friends, when he would institute the sacrament of his body and blood in the Eucharist, when he would ratify a new and eternal covenant and be that lamb provided by God, that sacrificial offering which takes away the sins of the world, priest and victim, shedding his blood on the cross for us, and then rising three days later, instituting a new age, an age of glory, an age of life, opening the doors to us for eternal life. The time had to be right. That's why when the blessed mother asks her son to perform a miracle for the couple at Cana, if you remember, Jesus says, woman, what does this have to do with you or me? My hour has not yet come. And John tells us he was talking about the hour of his passion. The time had to be right. And until then, it's a secret. Don't tell anyone. But that hour has come. That hour has come. We live now in that time of glory. We live in the time of resurrection. We live in the age of the church. And the last thing that Jesus told the apostles before he ascended was go and make disciples of all nations. Go and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And we live in that apostolic age. That mission is our mission today. We are being sent out into the world to proclaim the good news. And how do we do that? How do we do that? We do it like Jesus did it. We do it by speaking the truth as Jesus spoke the truth. We do it by speaking plainly when plain speech is needed. And we do it by telling stories when they help us to explain and illustrate the truth. We do it by speaking openly in public like Jesus addressed the crowds. And we do it by speaking privately to individual people, like Jesus did with the woman at the well, or with the rich young man, or Bartimaeus, right? We do it by showing mercy and compassion, by healing the sick, by giving voice to the voiceless, by feeding the hungry, by clothing the naked. We do it by mourning with those who mourn, and by rejoicing with those who rejoice, just as Jesus did all of these things. And to whom do we share the good news of Christ? Well, here we also follow our Lord's example, right? Where did the miracle that we read about today take place? It says Jesus went away to the district of the Decapolis. He went out among the Gentiles. See, God sent his Messiah first to the Jewish people, but not only to the Jewish people. He's the Jewish Messiah, but he's the universal Savior. And that's why the church that he started carries the name Catholic, which means universal. So our epistle today from James tells us, show no partiality. We are to show no partiality. We are to share the treasure that we have with all people, Jewish or Gentile, with our next-door neighbors and with people who live on the other side of the planet, people from every nation. We're to share the treasure that we have and the greatest treasure that we have is the gospel. The greatest treasure that we have is the truth about God, about who he is, and the truth about who we are as men and women made in his image. It's the truth about Jesus and how he gives himself to us on the cross and in the sacraments. It's the truth about what it really means to love God and to love our neighbor and to love ourselves. Jesus opens up our ears to hear this truth, to receive it. And he opens up our mouth so that we can share it with others. And we are to share it. We're to share it with the rich, and we're to share it with the poor. And we're to share it with the empowered and the powerless. We're to share it with the oppressors and those who are oppressed. And most of all, most of all, we are to share it with those whose hearts are frightened. Because they need to hear it. They need to hear it. We need to tell them the fact that God has visited His people. That's no longer a secret. Jesus is here. Jesus is here today in this Mass. He's brought us here away from the crowds so that He can open up our ears and open up our mouths, open our minds and open our hearts. But today He does not say... Don't tell anyone. Today he is telling us, go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. So as we leave this place today, having been nourished by his word and by his body and blood, let's proclaim to all who would hear us, here is your God. Here is your God. He has come to save you.